Hey everyone, I am Miss Shez Jones, the host of Bible Hacks, and I'm really thrilled today to be joined by my guest, Crystal Parker. Welcome, Crystal. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Now, I want to start with where you were born, because I think you are my first guest ever <laughs> to be born in Moscow. <laughs> Well, considering there's only 300 people in that town of Moscow, Kansas, I would expect that's probably true. Oh, my goodness. And it's spelled M-O-S-C-O-W. So the neighboring cities used to tease us and they'd say Moscow, Moscow. We're like, no, it's Moscow, even though I raised pigs like half of my life as a kid. So, <laughs> Well, I love Kansas. I was obsessed with Topeka for okay. like more than a decade. Um, so. so did you ever make it to Dorothy's house in Liberal? No, I didn't. Oh, no. Well, you got to come back to Kansas. <laughs> Go to, to Dorothy's house in Liberal, Kansas. I would be happy to come back to Kansas. Had a great time there. Supernatural time, actually. So really? I would love it. Now, I want you to tell people more about you, not just that you were from Moscow, Kansas, <laughs> but like if I had to list all of the things that you're doing, I would get tired just listing them all. So <laughs> I know you're a single mom. You're well, an author. You're a speaker. I mean, you're a consultant. Yes. Your own business. Plus yes. you're the president of the U.S. Christian Chamber. Is that right? Yes. And, and I mean, we might as well add one more thing in there. I just got married in September. So a new newlywed and uh, we squeezed in the wedding right before the second U.S. Christian Business Expo and National Conference. That was in October. So, yes, lots of stuff going on here, but it's all great stuff. And it all it's funny because it all kind of works together and in just perfect alignment. Wow. Well, congratulations on the marriage. That's super exciting news. And also on things working together, like Romans 8.28, you know, tells us that all things should be working together, right? So that tells me that that's a sign of a kingdom business when yeah. all things are working together. And that answers my next question, which was going to be, how do you do all of this? <laughs> yeah. You obviously have synergy. They're working together, yeah? That's right. That's right. And, and I've also found, you know, really being present where you are and intentional about your time. So I really like to work. Work is worship. I enjoy it a lot. And uh, we just got away for nine days for the first real vacation in two and a half years. Wow. And after about four and a half days, I was like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. I want to get back to work. I love what I do. And so um, I have to be really careful that I don't tip too far on the work side and really have that time for family as well. Cause that's so important. That's why we do what we do. Yeah. But when I was in corporate America, starting in my career, I was all work and family was kind of lower on the, the totem pole. Yeah. And uh, God was in there somewhere, even though I called myself a Christian. And, uh, and so I really learned that, you know, keeping those priorities, keeping God first, keeping my family there second, and then work third, even though you're working even in ministry, it's still never should take the place of, of God or your family as far as priorities. 
That's great advice, really great advice. And I am the same. I've just had a vacation with my family for 11 days and by about day seven, I was like getting excited about getting back to work. <laughs> and isn't, isn't it cool? Like when you love what you do, it doesn't even feel like work. Yes, exactly. And even like I was going to take this because I got back on Wednesday morning, early Wednesday morning. I was going to take Wednesday, Thursday, Friday as like an extension to my vacation. I was like, no, nah, I was straight back in it. <laughs> I couldn't wait. So I I understand that when you love what you do, it can um, become, you know, out of balance with those other yes. things, but it's good to put it in perspective. Now, I wanted to talk about this phenomenal book, The Best Robot Wins. Do you want to explain that title to me? Okay, yes. As you were talking, I was just thinking about how you've done your homework. How did you know I was from Moscow? Did you? (laughs) (laughs) I have done, well, I've been researching you. Someone call it stalking. I call it research. Uh, (laughs) And just like really immersing in interviews that you've done, podcasts, articles, your websites, LinkedIn, the whole thing. And I have loved every minute of it. Well, that's why your show is so successful. Your podcast (laughs) is so successful because you are great at what you do. You are a great sleuth. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Um, I'm not robotic about it. (laughs) Back to the robot. Back to the robot. So, you know, talking about all of those different things that, you know, I do. And I had a really uh, just an amazing opportunity to write this book. The publisher came to me and said, you know, I need a book. I need it by this time. And it was a three month time. And I hadn't written anything. I didn't even know what I was going to write about. And so I just remember being out on a walk one day and it just hit me that if I was going to be able to fit a book in, in three months, then I would almost have to become robotic. And what I mean by that is, is kind of like a business. If a business is uh, really structured well, then it runs well and people know what to do, where to go, how to plug in. And so that was really what I needed to do. I needed to be very disciplined and robotic. And I started to think about the the tie between that and businesses. And really, at the end of the day, the best robot, if you think of a business like a, a, a machine, which I do, I think of a business like a machine and the best robot wins. And so the better the machine is built, the better the business is and the more engaged that people can be in the company as a result of a really well-oiled machine so that's why i titled it the best robot wins okay so i want to pick up on something there that you said the best structured business or the the way that it is structured affects the way that it runs now i love structure i think when I, when I sort of read the, the beginning of the Bible, I'm like, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I'm like, that must have been awesome. And we're only 10 words in. And then he goes, and the world was without form. And I'm like, there's a lack of structure. We've got a problem. And we're only like, you know, into wow. the second verse of the Bible. So I think structure <laughs> is the oldest problem in the world. And all the people that I meet that are really wise and successful like you and leading leaders always talk about structure. So I would love you 
to talk to the entrepreneurs that are in our audience about how you would advise them in structuring their business. What are some keys for structuring their business in this robot age? <laughs> there you go. Well, it's it's really interesting because there, you know, now that we do have a lot of AI and robotics and stuff in business, there seems to be no disaggregate in how people treat the humans versus treat the AI. And so we've lost that human touch. Mm. And so what you you really keyed into something in the beginning, God created. And if imagine if God would have created the humans before he created everything that the humans would need to live. And so that's the same sort of concept with this book. So I really believe, and I would I would debate this to the end of time, that the Holy Bible is the best book ever written on business. Absolutely. It should be, yeah. it should be every business, no matter if you're a secular or believer or not, the principles in the Holy Bible are the best for business. And actually, kingdom business leaders outperform non-kingdom business leaders because they know those principles, which is... Uh -huh. Yeah, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. So in the Bible, there's the parable of the seed sower. And it's an incredible parable that God uses to talk about the heart and the word of God being able to get into the heart and then multiply um, tenfold or a hundredfold. Well, that same parable applies to business as well. And so when he illuminated that to me, it really helped me to see this is how it can help leaders structure their organization in a way to maximize the value of their human capital or if you as believers the people that are carrying passions and gifts that god gave them if we can allow them to be in a, an environment that is structured for them to be successful those individuals those lights that god's put in your business can shine and can really outperform others. So I just use the simple parable of the seed sower to help leaders be able to create structure in their business and be successful with that. Wonderful. Okay. So in when, when we're structuring our business, what's one sort of tip? I know there's lots in the book, <laughs> but how can we uh, do something today that will help us to structure in a way that lives out that parable of the seed sower. Okay. Well, one of the, the largest challenges that organizations find themselves in is communication. So oftentimes communication comes top down and there's no way for the, the frontline worker, the people actually doing the work to get the communication back up. So you've got this problem, you've got all these policymakers, people are making decisions, making the rules appear that are so disconnected from what's happening on the frontline work. And so to be able to, and I talk about this in the book, but to be able to create systems for communication to be fluid instead of top down, the visual that I always think of when I think of communication and organization, because I'm a Kansas girl. Thank you for pointing <laughs> that out, old farm girl. <clears throat> so it used to be that they'd have these irrigation systems on the crops and they would have the center source in the middle of the crop and these rows of, of, of crops and the source of the water would come out and flood the crops. That's how they would water. 
before these irrigation systems change. Well, what would happen is the plants that were at the back end that were the last one to get the water, they would they would shrivel up and die. They would wither. Well, that's exactly what happens in organizations if communication is the water and it and it, and you communicate top down, the employees that are on the front line aren't connected, they're not hearing. Um, they just don't feel like they're part of the bigger purpose of the organization. And so creating systems to really improve your communication in your organization, I think is probably one of the best and quickest tips I could give. There's some points in the book of like, hey, you know, here, how do we communicate, blah, 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 that would help. But I think if, if people would really take a hard look at their communication and how that is done in the organization, then I think that would be a real key um, win for them. That's great. And I like how you say it helps the people shine. Yeah. Uh, because, you know, that's the identity that Jesus gave us is he said he's the light of the world, but he also said you are the light of yes. the world. And so it's a global identity that he gave mm -hmm. us. And I love that, that, that he's, you know, not only understanding of the globalization era that our businesses exist in, but he gives us a personal identity to go global. So I love oh, that you're creating systems that help people shine. That's really powerful. Um, I tell a story in my book that really grieved my spirit when I heard it. Mm. And it was a large company organization, and I don't say who it is. And actually, nobody's ever even asked me. Probably wouldn't tell them anyway. But it's a, it's a huge uh, multi-billion corporation. And this employee start started in the organization. And his role was basically to take things off of the truck that were dirty and then bring them into the warehouse to be cleaned and then the, the um, truck to be restocked. And how they had it was that for the first two weeks, they gave them uniforms, temporary uniforms, until their uniforms came in. And on those uniforms were names of individuals that were used to be in the company that, so, so brand new employees had to wear the name of somebody else. And because, because they, didn't, they didn't matter to them. Mm. There's so much power in someone's name Definitely. And their identity. So you said identity mm. that, you know, I really, by the time I was midway through this book, I realized that God had me writing this book for something so much bigger than just how do we get the business to work well and outperform the competition. Mm. It was really about to improve the conditions for workers so that they can be seen so they can be treated with with dignity. And when you do that, like when leaders treat employees with dignity and that they matter and they know their name, wow, they, they'll work, they'll be so loyal, they'll work for you, you know, and, and they'll really, really take more pride in the company and the organization that they serve. Mm. So I just can't stress enough how important it is to really see the humans that are working in your business and not the output. So working with leaders, and I've been doing that for some time, and I was in the field as well, had about 400 employees under my uh, charge when I was in the oil and gas company. And working with humans is interesting because 
sometimes leaders love structure so much. They just love, they love numbers. They love order. Their desks are super tidy. You know, they just, they want a process for everything. And then sometimes it gets extreme on the other side where you've got people leaders that just love conversation. They might have a to-do list. And like, if somebody walks in their office, they're going to talk to them for an hour and they don't really care, you know? <laughs> and so they're so into the people side of the business that you have almost two extremes that start to exist in an organization. And what happens with leaders is, you know, like attracts like. So I'm comfortable with people that like structure because I'm a structured person or vice versa. Yeah. And so then you start to recruit in people that are just like you. And the next thing you know, the pendulum is either swinging too far on the side of people. So now we're just with people, we're partying, we don't hold people accountable. There's no system. It's like oh, spring break gone wild. This is awesome. Or you're so far on the system side that you have just completely suffocated the creativity, the entrepreneurship, the identity out of people that they no longer become human. They become output that you can see on a, on a spreadsheet. So being intentional about identifying your leaders and saying, okay, I feel like, or, and there's testing, like I do disk testing. There's all kinds of different Myers-Briggs things they can do online, but really identifying their natural tendencies. And it's not to say that you're putting people in a box and saying, this is how you always are. But when a strength is out of control, it can become a weakness. So mm -hmm. identifying those strengths in your leaders and the strengths that maybe are a little out of control and then bringing balance into that leadership team so that you can serve the people with great leadership, but still have metrics and still have organization and systems so that people can be successful and know the boundaries within the organization. And, and that's just a really important um, aspect of leadership that a lot of times people miss out on because they just don't know. That's good, Crystal. Uh, it makes me wonder, with artificial intelligence and mm -hmm. algorithms kind of really taking off particularly you know right now there's a whole lot of things like chat gbt that are, are coming in and becoming more dominant and and all sorts of tools are really incorporating much more artificial intelligence do you think that that is going to swing the balance towards tasks and structure or is it going to really highlight where humans and the people side of things is actually so valuable and so necessary. What's your take on that? Yeah, that's a super question because what we're seeing is that um, jobs like and artificial intelligence or robotics will replace up to seven million jobs over the next wow. twenty seven years. Million. Wow. Yeah, but the great thing about it is they're going to replace 7.2 million with, with other higher skilled jobs. So okay. the human worker will never be extinct from the, the business world, right. which is good. It, it, but the human mind is going to be ever so present needed customer service. I mean, how many times do you call in to a customer service and you're like pushing buttons again, then your dog barks and like, it thinks you said something and you're just like, I just want a human. Yes. I just want a human. 
And so I think that if it, if a business does swing too far away from that human element, they're going to unfortunately not be able to evolve because now people value customer customer service right now. If you can win at customer service, if your company can win at customer service, you're going to outperform 60% of your competition Goodness. because it seems like after COVID, when we had COVID and all the change and the great resignation and then all these problems that we ended up getting challenged with, uh, we lost an element of serving others in businesses. And so I'm just seeing great customer service just really outperform um, companies that don't have that human element or have the ability to have good, friendly customer service. Excellent. So listen, I say that 80% of ready is read. And I would love for our entrepreneurs to read this book. Where can they get it? You can pretty much just Google The Best Robot Wins and okay. you'll find it. Um, my website, The Best Robot Wins as well. You can find several links. Uh, we're in Amazon, Barnes and Noble. You you name it, you'll find it. Okay. Target? Walmart? Target. We were in Target, yeah, and Walmart. Yes, yes. Yep, you can find it. Okay, thank you for that. I really encourage people to do that. I also want to talk to you about the Chamber. I'm really excited that you're expanding. And I believe that the reason that you're expanding is that you found an identity clue when you stepped Ooh. in in the name. We were just talking about the name and identity. Yeah. Tell us yeah. about that. Well, you're really good at what you do. <laughs> Amazing. You're right. I think that, you know, there's Christian chambers. Um, there's several, a handful of Christian chambers in the U.S. And there's several Christian chambers that have unfortunately not made it or just are not around. Mm -hmm. And so when I came into the Central Florida Christian Chamber, it was kind of on a quick pathway towards extinction, unfortunately. And it was right before COVID. Oh, and so it was 175 members and falling quickly when God brought me this opportunity. And I, I really I nailed it down to the biggest issue that we were having. And it was identity crisis. And it was, I fell into it myself. So see, you're such a wise woman. I fell into it myself because when I first started, I was like, well, we're a chamber of commerce. And so I started to compare myself to other chambers that had been established. The fastest way to kill something special is to compare it to something else. And I fell into that trap. And so the Lord quickly got me back on track and said, I don't want another chamber of commerce. I want Christian chamber. Okay, God, well, what does that mean? You know, because we're Christian, does that mean we're going to be doing Bible studies and and he said, no, I don't want you to take the place of the church. You'll never take the place of the church. If anything, you'll encourage and inspire people to go back into the churches. And so I, I wanted to be clear that like we want to network. We want to exchange business. And uh, and is it more like a B&I? And I said, no. And it turns out that the Lord inspired an amazing man, Bob Wilbanks, who runs G7 Networking which is like B&I with a biblical base, a Christian alternative. So God was clearly saying, no, that's not what you're doing. I want to do something new, make streams in the wasteland, you know, just like it tells us in the Bible. And really through that, God started to shape the identity of the Christian chamber. We started growing and growing and growing. We're at 321 members today wow. and healthy, strong. Um, we've got a nice office staff and an 
incredible ambassador group, volunteers. It's a healthy organization. And so my heart and vision is to be able to help other Christian chambers all over the U.S. either strengthen, get started, um, share ideas, and create this movement across the U.S. that gives people an alternative to doing business that has an alignment with their values and gives them encouragement in the marketplace. Because if we see our businesses as ministry, no matter what business you're in, if you see it as an opportunity to reach people for the kingdom, to do good work, to do goodness in this world, then we have, in essence, made an incredible marketplace movement through our businesses that are out there just serving. No matter what, we've got people in in um, construction, we've got people in marketing, we've got all kinds of businesses, doesn't matter what it is. The common factor is Jesus Christ and everything else falls in line from there. Wow, that's good. So that, that reminds me of when Jesus said, seek first the kingdom yes. of God and his righteousness, and then all of these things will be added. Everything falls into line yes. if yes. you get the first thing, the first thing, right? Yes. yes. That's right. The first thing, the first thing. And yeah. he is the first thing. And it's really cool to be on the forefront of helping business owners understand that. I was a Sunday Christian. I thought I was a Christian. I called myself a Christian. And because I went to church two hours a week, and that's all I did with the Lord. I didn't read the word. I didn't really pray other than just meals. Amen. Bless the food. And that was pretty much the extent of my walk with God. And so I, what I really have a passion for is I think I did more damage to people's faith because I was an executive in leadership, calling myself a Christian, but not living that way, living according to the world. And people, I'm sure, looked at that and said, if that's your God, I don't want anything to do with that. We have a great responsibility as Christians serving in the marketplace. People mm. are going to want to know God or not want to know him based on how they see us. Mm. And so if we can be great representation of what the kingdom of God looks like in the marketplace. Those two hours on Sunday are replaced with 60 hours a week. Now we have leaders all over the country serving as uh, disciples in the marketplace thousands of hours reaching and touching people for the kingdom. And it's going to be an amazing day when we have Christian chambers and Christian leaders all over the U.S. Yes, absolutely. And and I, I think the the beauty of a chamber is that it's, it's an association, right? Mm -hmm. And the Bible talks a lot about that, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament. It says if you walk with the wise, you become wise, right? Like yes. that's that's an amazing promise that you become someone else just by your associations. And then yes. it also says, you know, if you associate with fools, you get into trouble. So it works both ways, either yeah. positive or negative. And that that law of association, it, it tells us that if we choose our relationships, we choose our results. If we, wow. we invest in our connections, then we mm. invest in the consequences. And so wow. it doesn't say choose your costs. It doesn't say wow. choose your expenses. It's like 
associations really have an impact on our results, don't they? Mm, they sure do. And and we get to see that, you know, iron sharpening iron is another one. And, yeah. and just even, you know, God even tells us in the Bible that you, we, you, I want you in community. I mean, if Jesus was totally capable to do what Jesus was going to do without 12 disciples, right? <laughs> but he had 12 disciples. He had community as well around him. And there's, there's accountability there, but there is also that association, what you're saying. And we see that a lot in the Christian chamber where people are better because they're around better and it helps others understand what it means to be a leader in the industry and to really be a kingdom leader. And so, yeah, that the community aspect of this social capital, safety, belonging, influence, it's all, um, it's all tied up into that chamber concept, but with Christ at the center biblical worldview not a worldview so we're going to do business god's way in god's economy that's powerful because that like that is the essence of discipleship isn't it when jesus said to the fishermen while they were fishing follow me and i will show you how to become fishers of men so they're doing the same activity but it's focused on serving people now. And so that's a very occupational, very marketplace thing to do. And sometimes when we think about discipleship, we think, oh, that's going to a Bible study at church. No, no, no. Right. You know, that's, uh, it's great. I love the way you see that. That's, that's... I'm, I'm going to steal that one from you too. I'll give you credit the first two times I use it, but after that, I'll take it. <laughs> I was riffing on what you said. I love how you said that. I love how you said that. Because, you know, once you understand, you can't separate it from who you are. And once you're fully head, heart, alignment with Christ, you can't be two different people anymore. It's just who you are. Not to say we're not going to sin. We're human. There's nobody up here pretending to be perfect. Trust me. If (laughs) if I wrote the book on it, that might be my next one. But, you know, really to to really see that, like, I can't separate that from who I am. And I'm totally going to use that fisherman example because that's a great illustration for what we do. Yeah. And I'm seeing a lot more people globally integrating their faith into their work much more than I've ever seen before. I don't know if that's just because my eyes have been open to seeing that or and it's been going on all along, but I haven't seen it. Or if I, I think the latter is true that there is this global movement. There's a timing now where God is really doing that. He's he's repositioning people to be completely integrated and and ambassadors of the kingdom in everything they do and I'm like you I have got that so wrong so many times and if you want to know just go through my LinkedIn see where I've worked (laughs) call any place that I've worked and they'll be able to tell you all my flaws (laughs) but but now I, I am seeing really that we are so pivotal to the kingdom um we are running out of time. I can't believe oh, it. <laughs> Shoot, so where, so do people, where do people go to find out more about the chamber? Mm-hmm. So we have the uschristianchamber.com. Simple, just uschristianchamber.com. Hit the contact us. We'll get back in touch with you. Anyone in Central Florida can go to Central CF Christian Chamber, centralfloridachristianchamber.com. Um, and you can find me on LinkedIn, Crystal Parker, comma, MBA. And that's where I'll be. So I just encourage people to reach out, 
um, and contact us, get in touch, get involved in your community. And if you don't have a Christian chamber in your community and you're interested in getting one started, reach out to us. We're, we want to be here to help you to do that. Wonderful. And is that for just people in the U.S. or is it for people who are doing business with the U.S. but they're outside of the U.S.? Is, is it a global thing that people can get involved in or is there a restriction where they have to be based in you the can, U.S.? We actually have um, a member that came to our expo from Uganda. So we've got people from all over. Now, we do have an incredible relationship with the International Christian Chamber of Commerce. God has aligned us and brought us together. So if there's somebody that wants to get connected internationally, reach out to us and we can help you connect with the International Christian Chamber as well. Uh, We're all working on God's team and we're here to help and support each other. But most importantly, we're here to serve the kingdom which means serving his people and that's how we want to be able to leave a legacy for god make him famous again put him at the center of businesses and hearts across this nation yeah i i love one thing you said i want to squeeze it in before we go and i can't remember the exact wording but it was something like live a life that's unexplainable except by god that's right that's exactly right we want to live a life only explainable by God. Meaning if you're playing it safe, if your goals this year are all things that you can accomplish by yourself, then then you're not allowing faith to open the door so that you can live a life only explainable by God. I'm a college dropout. I, I went and started stocking shelves in a truck parts store in Moscow, Kansas. And God has brought me here to this place and it's only but God that I'm here today. And this goal of a US Christian Chamber of Commerce, I'm gonna tell you, people laughed at me. They thought it was crazy. What are you doing? What are you thinking? And God gave people around me the eyes of the spirit to be able to see what was going on. But those that don't have that, don't let it deter you. Don't let it derail you. Live a life only explainable by God, which means you've got to shoot for the fences and you can work every day in your will, work according to what you can do, but leave the results to God because at the end of the day, he's the one that gets the glory. It's not for you. That's awesome. I really like that. And it reminded me that in the Bible, the the bridegroom always comes out of the chamber. So when when he appears, um, it's out of the chamber. So like he's really into this. I can just feel the, you know, the spirit of God on it. And I want to just say to you personally, Crystal, when I see Crystal in the Bible, it's it's usually talking about wisdom, or it's talking like in, in Revelations, John sees when he sees the throne. Mm-hmm. In front of it, there's, you know, the the river of life, like, and it's a lake described as clear as crystal. And really? I just see you before thrones, before yeah. leaders, and you know, in a lake, there's always reflection. Mm-hmm. And I, I see you helping them to see, uh, to self reflect first but to compare that like a mirror to God and and just reflect the kingdom of God to them 
And I'm just so excited about the future of the chamber and of your book and everything you're doing because I believe that um, you have this uniqueness, this mm. this crystalness <laughs> uh, <laughs> that really is going to change the world. And I'm excited that you, I saw in my research that you studied at Harvard with globalisation and innovation and I can just so see that that's the Bible plan for you. Um, we have to go. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> but if you uh, have enjoyed this, please read the book, get in touch with Crystal and also uh, subscribe to Bible Hacks so you don't miss an episode of that. You can find us at facebook.com slash Bible Hacks, which is B-I-B-L-E-H-A-X. Thank you, Crystal, for joining me and thank you, entrepreneurs, for listening. Bye, everyone. Thank you for having me. What an honor.